This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Being a good leader means making good decisions, even under difficult or unforeseen circumstances. What if there was a way you could learn how to focus in on making the best choices for your company? A new book looks at how cutting-edge neuroscience can be used to help people be better business leaders by mapping patterns of mental activity and identifying crucial brain circuits. The book is titled The Wise Advocate, The Inner Voice of Strategic Leadership. Two of the authors join us right now, Art Kleiner, who is editor-in-chief of PwC Strategy and Business Management Magazine, and also joining us, Jeffrey Schwartz, who is a research psychiatrist at the UCLA School of Medicine. All right, Jeffrey, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Gent Dan. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Jeffrey, it is amazing when you think of neuroscience, and, and we've kind of intertwined it on this show in a couple of instances as well, as to how important it, it seems like neuroscience is being viewed to the understanding of so many things within our business culture. Yes, well, that's, that is very true. And <clears throat> But I also want to put that in a context of there are limitations to how far you can get with just neuroscience. However, the advantage of neuroscience is that it gives kind of a neutral platform which, which has, and here's the big point, a strong scientific grounding, a strong you know, scientific validation to talk about, especially for business purposes, the relationship between emotional life, emotional inner experiences, focusing of attention, and then what we call the executive brain, which is very related to executive function. That's the big word that neuroscience and business has in common, the word executive. And what that means in both neuroscience and in business is planning ahead, keeping your focus of attention on goal-oriented plans and inhibiting, very important, inhibiting responses and especially habitual responses that take you away from your long-term goals. So that's where neuroscience and business align. And Art, obviously when you're talking about companies these days, they they seemingly are looking for for every edge that they can to try and improve their operation. And, And this is obviously one of several that are kind of in the mix. Well, it's true. The, yes, most companies are under unprecedented pressure. They've always been under unprecedented pressure, but it just keeps getting more and more complicated because life keeps getting more and more complicated, especially uh, with the global environment. So there's two ways of re- reacting to that pressure, two kinds of ways of being a leader. You can be transactional, you know, solve problems, get things done, please people, please your boss, please your customers solve problems, make deals, and you need to be that kind of leader. But in a time of um, challenge, you also need to find ways to move your organization past its threshold, past its limits, to do things that you, you, know, that, that you and your colleagues couldn't do before. And we call that kind of leader a strategic leader because, as Jeff said, uh, they're looking at long-term goals. And in order to be that kind of leader, you have to really think about uh, the world around you, the people around you, and yourself in new ways. So, Jeffrey, in the perspective of this book, how do you tie neuroscience to leadership and management? Okay, one 
really important point about how the brain works that has tremendous relevance to day-to-day business operations is what we commonly call the habit center. The, the, the part of the brain is, is the basal ganglia towards the bottom or base of the brain. This is a part of the brain that we share with reptiles and with birds, and it operates in a human being, in fact, very similarly mechanistically to in, in a reptile, a bird, obviously, a rodent. Right. And, and that's why, one of the reasons you can study it scientifically and why it's been studied so intensively scientifically. But here's the key point. Habits happen automatically, and that can be tremendously advantageous. But the issue is they happen automatically, largely without your awareness. Right. So habits come up anytime you're under stress, which in business is all the time. And, <laughs> right. and, so, and so since habits happen largely, very, very largely, under the conscious level, and they tend to take over under stress, one of the things we want to use the executive brain to do is make choices and become conscious of what our habits are getting us to do and to be able, and I mentioned this already, be able to inhibit them, which takes a lot of brain energy when it's appropriate and we want to change the habit. So that, that is one of the big points of how understanding how the brain works directly informs how to run a business. So, is there, Jeffrey, is there a connection then between what you're speaking about in terms of the business world and, and these habits that form, and and also uh, outside of the business world, in our personal lives? And obviously, it's, it's a different type of dynamic that you're playing in, but I would imagine that some of the brain activity and some of the thought processes may kind of cross over. Well, there's a huge amount of crossover, and that brings in the whole personal element in being a great leader, and which is very, very big. Mm. What? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeffrey. So the thing is, um, as Art just said, we never want to demean or undermine the critical importance of transactional leadership. If, if, you're, if you're not pleasing your customers, you don't have a business. Right. So, so we never demean that. However, we do want to get beyond that. And here's the big point. The way the brain works, you can become an extremely good transactional organization just on habit alone. And, and, but that's, what happens then is that the business is, is not adaptive enough. And, and so to become more adaptive to constantly changing circumstances – you need this executive function, you need this planning, and you need this inhib- capacity to make choices to inhibit the habits are, that are no longer serving your function anymore, and that's where strategic leadership really comes in. So transactional, necessary, but has to be modified over time and adapt by strategic leadership executive principles. Art, your thoughts? Well, fortunately, you get a chance to practice that every time you make a decision, right? So let's say I have a difficult personnel decision. I've got uh, somebody who's not performing. And I want to make that person happy, but I also have to make all the other people who are, you know, who are covering for that person happy, and I have to make my boss happy. And I start thinking about how I'm going to be happy, and you know, I, I take a sick day, and then I come back and I do the expedient thing, which might be, you know, 
sort of uh, giving a poor performance review or setting in motion things to fire, but I haven't really thought about what the situation calls for. I haven't really thought about how this person fits in, what their long-term trajectory is, what contribution they're making, what it would cost to replace them, and until and really what this person is thinking. You know, why are they doing the things they're doing? Why are the people around them not giving that person the support they need? Right. Why am I reacting the way I'm reacting? And so I, if I stop, if I sort of look at my own thoughts and kind of relabel them not just as reality but as my own reactions to this, if I kind of come up with a storyline that helps me understand the various people and the relationships between them, then I'm much more equipped to say, you know, what does the situation really need? What do we all need to do differently, and how do we all need to think differently? And, and that's when I do that once and I do it successfully, okay, that's great. Right. If I do that time and time again, then I'm building the habit of doing it. I'm you know, sort of changing the way my uh, neural patterns work. I'm making it easier and easier for me to pick up this habit in the future, and sooner or later, I become that kind of presence in the organization around me. And Art just brought up two extremely important points that are basic building block principles and how in our book we teach people how to pragmatically apply principles to transition from transactional to strategic leadership. One, a term that has become very uh, popular in social neuroscience in the last decade, mentalizing, which simply means thinking about what other people are thinking thinking about what they're going to do. And, and um, this is in contradistinction in addition to thinking about what they want, which is the cardinal part of transactional leadership. Transactional leadership is largely about thinking about what people want. Uh, uh, obviously, satisfying your customer is critical, thinking about what they want. However, we want to go beyond that, and, and at the strategic level, the transition from what we call the low ground to the high ground, we use mentalizing to start thinking about what they're thinking so you can understand why they want what they want, yeah. and, 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 and then really thinking about what people are going to do, and then relabeling our own responses to that, and, and thinking about how customers, how colleagues, how superiors think about what's going on, what they're going to do, and then use that in our pattern of labeling for ourselves our own responses to become more, and here's the other big word, become more mindful, become more <laughs> aware, have the wise advocate, because the wise advocate is our inner guide that we create an inner constructive narrative in consultation with so you have your own inner consulting service your wise advocate that you're creating a narrative through mentalizing and relabeling reframing and refocusing your attention to have a constructive narrative that takes into account what others are thinking what, how you're planning what they're going to do while keeping your long-term goals in mind and that's how you integrate executive function with mindfulness. And I guess, Art, that it, 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 having all of those qualities and mixing them in also mixes in what that, uh, that leader, whoever that may be, C-suite executive manager, whatever it might be, is how they view their job, how they view the path that their job or their division should be, which leads to trying to, uh, to reach the ultimate success for the company, correct? Well, Art? You hear me? Yeah, oh. well, I'm sorry. We lost you there for one second. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
the way I think of it is, you know, you have this inner voice. We call it the inner voice of strategic leadership. This, you know, you're, you're listening to your, your own internal wise advocate. And then you take on that voice in the organization around you. And if you have the right kind of confidence, you know, and that gives you confidence because right. you know what you're doing, you know, which is always what leaders in any organization want to do. But you're also not just playing the game of getting what I want. You're playing the game of making the world a better place, you know, helping your organization thrive for the next 10 years instead of the next six months or the next quarter, um, really figuring out what your career needs to be, what the people around you need to be. You're allowing, you're building the capacity to tackle those larger issues that you never seem to have time for on a purely transactional basis. And uh, so you get stronger. And as you get stronger, you get better. We're not talking about this happening day after tomorrow. Right, but, right. You know, but you can see, you know people who have, who have grown in the job. And this is typically the way they've do, done it, even if they don't call it what we call it. And Art just brings up another extremely important point that you, you actually mentioned earlier. This... Th the word confidence, which is really the integrative term between basically personal neuroscience, if you want to use it that, that way, and, 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 and using this model in, in terms of applied business leadership principles is by creating that narrative, mm -hmm. that, that constructive narrative in inner dialogue with the wise advocate, which is that mindful voice inside of you, you can really have not just a goal, but a narrative about why you're pursuing that goal and, and, and an inner sense of how you yourself personally are participating in this plan going forward. And, and that really gives you a, a, a sense of narrative solidity that gives you the confidence to actually make decisions and, and, and give the sense of firmness and the sense of assertiveness constructively that is so critical to leadership. You mentioned, uh, Jeffrey, in the book uh, early on, and I wanted to, to read this because it, it, it stood out to me, uh, talking about uh, the, that the focus of your attention determines what happens in the mind and the brain during these critical moments of choice and determines what kind of a leader you're going to be. Can you well, that yes, that builds on my work of 40 years yeah. um, at UCLA, and 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 that really builds on the whole background work that we don't have time to talk about at all of my work with people with obsessive compulsive disorder. But but what I learned in in working with people with obsessive compulsive disorder who have a brain, a genetically inherited brain issue, that is giving them very destructive, intrusive, bothersome thoughts, and they and. It was in teaching those people to use mindfulness, to use what we have now come to call the wise advocate, to redirect their attention away from those destructive, deceptive brain messages, and then discovering using brain imaging technology in the 90s and into the early part of this century, that they could change their brain by changing the focus of their attention. So that, that is huge, because that's why we say the power is in the focus, because by focusing your attention differently, you rewire your brain, a, ter a term that from my book, The Mind and the Brain, was called self-directed neuroplasticity, a term that I coined in the book, The Mind and the Brain. 
You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School, Dan Loney in our studios in Philadelphia, joined by Jeffrey Schwartz, who's a research psychiatrist at the University at UCLA School of Medicine. He joins us uh, uh, from the West Coast and also joining us, Art Kleiner, who's editor-in-chief of PwC's Strategy and Business Management magazine. They are two of the three authors uh, of the book, The Wise Advocate, The Inner Voice of Strategic Leadership. Your comments, welcome again, 844-WHARTON, 844 844- 942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Art, I'd be interested to know if 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 going through and doing this book and then in the <laughs> scope of, of your job has actually had you thinking about your leadership skills. Oh, constantly. Um, you know, I was uh, I was at Booz Allen Hamilton, which was a twenty thousand yeah. person firm, and yeah. then we spun off a three thousand person firm, Booz and Company, and I went with them because uh, the magazine did, and then we were acquired by PwC, which is about two hundred forty thousand people or more around the world, and in each case. You know, the question of who am I as an individual versus what role do I play in the larger organization is critically important in large companies, small companies, and I'm constantly calibrating. Uh, Just one example, when I came in, I'm an editor, and I was working with a group of editors. And, you know, sometimes uh, it's not an editorial organization, so, you know, people sometimes don't always uh, understand what editors do. And... I found my. I was working with a group of editors, and I found myself using the phrase "insouciant savoir-faire." In other words, we're not going to get anxious. We're going to assume that we know what we're doing, the savoir-faire part. And as long as we know what we're doing, we can afford to be insouciant because we can stand in our confidence. And that became something that I, at least, and a few other people, kind of did on a day-to-day basis, and that changed our habits. So it allowed us to think about what the organization needed to publish, and therefore we could work to that end. Your comments, again, welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Uh, Jeffrey, I want to go back for a second because you it, it talked earlier in, in, in a couple of spots. The difference between the decision process, the difference between low ground and high ground. Can you take us into that for a couple of minutes? Sure. And that, you know, that is the critical distinction that we're making in the book. So, you know... Principle number one is the key word to understand about the low ground is expedient decision-making. And I want to stress we are not disparaging that. Expedient decision-making is taking into account questions framed around what do I want, what does the other person want, and ideally in that kind of um, understanding we're trying to get to the win-win perspective. Necessary. We never criticize it, but we do want to go beyond it. And, and to go beyond it into what we call strategic leadership, that brings in those key terms I mentioned already, mentalizing, executive function, and what we call applied mindfulness. So in mentalizing, as I said, you're no longer only thinking about what the person wants and what I want. You're thinking about what is that person thinking and what is that person going to do? And one way of understanding what applied mindfulness may- means, and I think one of the 
cardinal advances in our book is a business-related application of the term mindfulness to mean mentalizing about yourself. You really get in touch with your wise advocate and start to think about, what am I thinking? What am I going to do and why? So that is real mindfulness, and we like to call it applied mindfulness. And then you use your executive function, your, your planning, your goal orientation, and then, very critically, your capacity to inhibit responses. Because a lot of the advances in executive function come from inhibiting no longer adaptive prior responses that have been wired into your habit center. So it, a lot of it is about changing habits. And, and, that is, and you can see how there's an integration there between transactional and strategic leadership, and that's what the book is about, integrating transactional and strategic leadership. I mean, Jeffrey, how, how prevalent do you think it is right now that, that leaders of companies have this awareness, have this understanding, especially surrounding the mindfulness part, when you're talking about what it feels like in this day and age, uh, that leaders of companies or leaders within companies are more under pressure than they've ever been for. They have more on their plate than ever before. And sometimes some of these elements may be the things that, that fall through the cracks. Well, that, look, that is true. But we also look, every leader of a successful um, enterprise has the transactional skills because you don't become the leader of right. a successful enterprise without the transactional skills. But now we want to apply the applied mindfulness perspective in, in inner narrative, creating a you know, narrative through dialogue with your wise advocate to also bring in the question, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? What do I want? Why do I want it? How does that integrate with our long-term goals and plans? And think about other people that way. And here's the big point. Many good strategic leaders already are thinking about what the customer is thinking, thinking about what the customer is going to do, in, and their colleagues and their 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 board holds, their their board of directors, etc. The big point here about real mindfulness is applying that perspective, which business leaders largely already do, about thinking about what other people are thinking to yourself, and really start thinking seriously: What am I thinking? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? How does it align with my long-term goals? While knowing that if you focus on those goals, you're going to change your brain and create good habits that will bring some automaticity into your pursuit of your long-term goals. Art, your thoughts? Well, everybody, everything that Jeffrey just said. And I think most leaders know that they're missing something. Right. And most leaders make it work most of the time. In fact, I think a lot of leaders have gotten where they are by consulting their wise advocate or their inner voice, whatever they may call it, quite a lot of the time, but not all the time. And there, you know, we tell stories in our book of people like Aetna's um, CEO, Mark Bertolini, who, you know, raised the salary of uh, the lowest paid people in the organization in a, in a very publicly renowned way, partly because he started thinking about what all the people in the organization were thinking. And he took it to the first phase of doing it you know, himself, but then he had to take it through the organization. And you know, organizations make it hard to live this way. 
organizations have deceptive messages. Right. You know, it must be flawless or it's worthless. Right. We're not effective and we never will be. Or, you know, we can do anything we want. You know, there's all sorts of deceptive messages that are unexamined and that make it hard to really stand up and, and be the kind of leader we need to be right now. Gentlemen, thank we know how to do it. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on the book and continued success with it. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, Art Kleiner, who is uh, editor-in-chief of PwC Strategy and Business Management Magazine. Jeffrey Schwartz, a research psychiatrist at the UCLA School of Medicine. The book, again, is The Wise Advocate, The Inner Voice of Strategic Leadership. Uh, They, I should mention, uh, wrote this book in uh, conjunction with Josie Thompson as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.